Hey guys, welcome to the Off the Bench Podcast. This is our ninth episode ever here today, and this is your host, Sean Crowell. I'm here for you guys every week, week in and week out. Guys, keep letting me know what you want to hear about. DM me, text me, call me, whatever it is. Let me know what topics that you guys are looking for that you guys would like to listen to. Um, I'm a man of the people, so to speak, so I'll definitely... Definitely put in whatever you guys want. I'll be stewing on those topics in my head until I get a good one out for you guys. So just let me know what you guys are thinking. Uh, Guys, it's been tough the past couple days. It's been stressful. I've had uh, the election going. You know, my wife is sitting there telling me, you got to turn that off. It's a bunch of garbage. We'll find out in the end who it is, whatever. Guys, don't let it stress you out, okay? Just go ahead and take a break. Listen to this podcast. We don't want to sit there and listen to election coverage all day long, okay? Just listen Listen to your boy, Sean Crowell, just uh, lull you in with these topics. Let me just reel you in, get you going on some sports topics here, some sports takes, because I got some good ones for you today, okay? So don't go anywhere. Stay on, and we'll get to it right here. So the Steelers beat the Ravens on Sunday, and uh, that was the game of the week, in my opinion. That was an amazing game. Um, Two high-level teams going out of in-division rivals. That was a big-time game. I I really enjoyed watching that one. The Ravens had it, and somehow they gave the game away. They were up 10 points at halftime. Uh, If you look at the box score... The Ravens sort of dominated the box score, except for one category, and that was turnovers. And in large part, it was because of Lamar Jackson. Uh, Lamar did not play well, guys. And he had, you know, an, an interception or two. He had a fumble. I hate to say it, but it's sort of becoming this thing that we all see that is like in these big time games. Uh, Lamar is really struggling. And in these big-time games where we need our best players to step up the most, Lamar seemingly isn't, isn't able to do that thus far. It just seems like he's underwhelming in these big-time games. These games where we need our MVP-level type players to take over and to step up and really give you a shot. And you don't have to win all these games. Nobody's going to go 16-0. But you can't lose them every single time. And at this point, I think we're seeing a comparison between two different players, Lamar Jackson and Giannis Antetokounmpo. And it's a cross-sport comparison, but these are always intriguing to me to think about. And I think these two are more similar than different. Before they came into the league, getting drafted or just as they were coming in, they were fresh, rookies, whatever it may be, both players were sort of viewed as project type of players. Guys, Lamar Jackson, he was taken in the first round, okay? So it's not like he was completely undervalued. Literally a first-round pick. But at the same time, he was like the fifth quarterback taken in that 2018 draft, okay? They took Baker, they took Darnold, Josh Allen, a bunch of those guys before they took Lamar. And honestly, I think those were the right moves at the time for those particular teams, Because Lamar was a project. There were serious questions about his throwing and his accuracy coming out of college. He was just looked at as strictly like, this guy can run and he's dynamic. 
but don't know if he can win the game from the pocket at all. Okay, and here we're seeing a little bit of that at this point. But he was viewed as a project coming into the league, just like Giannis Antetokounmpo. Have you guys seen pictures of Giannis his rookie year? He hardly played. He's small. He's like, you know how he's super jacked now? Now now he's huge, but he didn't used to be. He was just kind of this skinny little lima bean pole, and you know he didn't look that great. But they sort of saw this raw talent that they could work with in Milwaukee. And obviously, turns out, he's amazing. Two-time MVP. Same with Lamar Jackson, won the MVP last season. Okay, so both were looked at as these project type of players who have transformed into MVP level players. Both are extremely tough to prepare for because of their unique abilities. Okay, so Lamar doesn't look like anybody else in the NFL. When you go and play the Ravens, you have to prepare in a completely different way than you prepare for everybody else. And the biggest reason is Lamar Jackson. He doesn't look like anybody else in the NFL. Maybe ever. The comparative, the comparison, excuse me, is Michael Vick. But Michael Vick could throw it better. And I would argue that Lamar's got more wiggle. I think Vick might have just been all around faster. But Lamar definitely has more wiggle to him. Okay, so just one of the most unique players in NFL history. And same with Giannis Antetokounmpo. He's so big, so long, such a good defender, such a good athlete. That's why he's so dominant in the regular season. Because players come into town, uh, teams come into town, and they're going, okay, we just played, you know, last night, two nights ago. Let's look at some tape real quick on Giannis. And it's like he's a tank. Uh, You know, a gazelle just running down the floor. Uh, you know, how are you supposed to stop him? So both are extremely tough to prepare for because they're so unique. There's not very many Giannis's in the NBA. There's only one. And there's only one Lamar Jackson in the NFL. Okay, both appear to be extremely humble and extremely hardworking. Lamar always says the right things. He does the right things. Anytime he ever makes a mistake, he says, that's on me. He celebrates with his teammates the right way. Absolutely just outstanding human. Just an outstanding individual. Okay, and the same can be said about Giannis. Giannis is always saying the right thing. He's always looking out for his family. Uh, you know, this and that. It's, it's all good with Giannis. Never any trouble with Giannis or Lamar. Both humble and extremely hardworking who just want to get better. Those are amazing qualities to have in a superstar level athlete. Okay, but here's where we sort of get into the negatives a little bit. We're at the point where we've seen both of these players, Lamar and Giannis, fall short in the big moments. In the big playoff games, in the big regular season games for Lamar, they've both fallen short. Okay, and we saw last year in the playoff game, we've seen it against the Chiefs, and uh, we've seen it against the Steelers now for Lamar. Doesn't quite play up to snuff. Okay, he's an MVP level player versus all these other teams. If you're an average team or a below average team, the Ravens are probably going to roll you. And Lamar is going to go off and he's going to look every bit like the MVP 2019 Lamar Jackson. But against these good teams, it doesn't quite look as good. Okay, and the same can be said about Giannis. Okay, last season we're all thinking the Bucs are outstanding. They're going to give the Warriors, the healthy Warriors, a run for their money in the NBA title, in the NBA Finals. But then he can't get past Kawhi because he can't shoot a jumper and he sort of falls short 
in the biggest moments. Doesn't play up to snuff against Kawhi and the Raptors, and the Raptors move on. Okay, and then we saw it again this year, where he fell short against the Miami Heat. Guys, the Miami Heat were the fifth seed in the East. Okay, they were sort of a Cinderella type of team. They weren't this outstanding unit that was dominant all year long. That was the Milwaukee Bucks. But yet again, we saw Giannis fall short in the postseason, in the biggest moments. Okay, next similarity. And this is probably the biggest reason why they've fallen short in the biggest moments. They both have a big hole in their game. And that big hole for Lamar is he can't seem to sit in the pocket and win you a game that way. If a team stops the run versus the Ravens, then he's got to pass his way out of it to get the run back into the game. He has not shown the ability to do that. So Lamar is dynamic when he's able to set up the pass with the run. When the defense is on their heels because they're running it down their throat, then he's really good from the pocket because they're all expecting him to run. And then he can beat you deep with, you know, uh, Hollywood Brown and, you know, all these other guys. He can he can throw the rock really well. But when the run's not going, when they can't get the run going, when the other team stops it, then he can't beat you from the pocket. So that's the hole in his game right now that he needs to continually improve on. The same can be said about Giannis. His hole in his game, and I've talked about it on here before, is he cannot shoot a jumper. He needs to be able to consistently shoot a jumper because teams are like, you can't shoot the jumper. We're just going to wall you off in the lane. We're just going to shut you out of the key. And then Giannis is not nearly as effective. He's so good at getting to the rim. But when they wall him off and when he goes against a good defender like Kawhi Leonard, like Jimmy Butler, like uh, Bam Adebayo, who's able to sort of wall him off from the rim, he can't get it done. They sag off him. They say, you can't drive. You got to beat us with your jumper. And he can't do it. As of now, that is the hole in Giannis's game. If they both can sort of shore up these holes in their game, then there's no doubt in my mind they will both be champions. Absolutely no doubt. And they don't even have to be perfect, guys. Giannis is always going to be better at taking the ball to the rack than shooting the jumper. But he needs to be viable shooting the jumper. And Lamar is always going to be more of a dynamic runner than he is a passer. And that's okay. He doesn't need to be Tom Brady or Peyton Manning inside the pocket. But he does need to be able to be competent in that area. If they take the run away, then he needs to be able to get you along, get the passing game going from the pocket just a little bit. Just to reopen up that run, the run game, and then he can kill you. So I think this comparison, this cross-sport comparison that we see between Lamar Jackson and Giannis Antetokounmpo is extremely valid. And guys, I want to say this. It sounds like I'm ripping on these guys, but I'm really not. I actually really like these players, both of them. And this is part of why I'm just pulling my hair out is because I really do want to see Lamar succeed in the NFL. He's so unique and so dynamic. I really just hope so much that he can shore up some of these holes and that he can start to dominate in this league like we know that he can be capable of. And same with Giannis, guys. I mean, I'm not a box fan by any means, but can you help but not just smile when you watch Giannis? The dude is a freak show of a basketball player. He's fun to watch. And guys, I, 
I mentioned this with Clayton Kershaw a few weeks back when I was talking about the World Series. I was previewing it. I said that I hope Clayton Kershaw does well because it's cringy to me to watch extremely talented players sort of fall apart in the postseason. And the same for me can be said about Giannis. That's what we've seen lately. We've seen him fall apart in the postseason. And it's, I just hate it. He's such a talented player. I don't necessarily want him to rise up or win it all or anything like that. I just want him to perform like we know that he's capable of in the postseason. Okay, and same with Lamar. So I'm not sitting here selling my stock on these guys. Not, not even in the slightest. I think that both of these guys are going to be champions. In the next three, four, five years, I expect Lamar Jackson to be hoisting a Super Bowl trophy. And the same can be said about Giannis. Now, if Giannis decides to leave, this is a whole separate argument. But if he decides to leave and go to Miami or Golden State, then there's no doubt that he's winning a title. But if he stays in Milwaukee, I believe that he will end up holding the Larry O'Brien trophy. But as of now, we see that they're both falling short, and it's primarily because of these holes in their game. All right, guys, so we're at the point here where we've put together, you know, nine pods. This is our ninth podcast. This is our ninth episode. And so I've had enough time to sort of get out these takes of mine and really deliver them to you guys. And I've had enough of them. You know, I have two, three, four, five, an episode or whatever it is. And so now we're at the point where my takes can either be proven wrong or they can be proven right at this point. And um, guys, I, I listen to a lot of Colin Coward. You guys know I talk about this. But uh, he's got a segment that I'm going to steal. And I think it's my favorite segment that he does. And I'm going to steal it and I'm going to add just the slightest little twist and, and just to make it my own. And, and they're going to be my own opinions. I'm just going to steal his sort of um, style, his idea. So um, I'm going to call it where I was right, where I was wrong, and what is yet to be seen. Okay, so I'm going to take my takes from the past, and some of them are right, some of them are wrong, and some of them are, of course, yet to be seen. So here we go. We're going to get started with that. Okay, where I was right, I talked about in our first ever podcast, uh, the Lakers coach, and I talked about the Lakers size and how it's going to be um, extremely effective and extremely important to helping them um, on their championship run. And what do you know? They went and won the NBA title. Uh, I was talking about this, I believe, the first round of the NBA playoffs. So, of course, didn't know what was going to happen. But I said the Lakers head coach is going to be extremely important to their success. And they made a ton of adjustments down the stretch of the postseason. Uh, they were starting their bigs, and then when they played the small ball Rockets, they took them out. And then JaVale McGee was their starter the whole season, and then it turned out that Dwight Howard was playing better on Nikola Jokic than JaVale McGee was. And so you see these adjustments time and time again. Um, what else were they doing? They were trapping James Harden at um, not half court, but just just below half court. So it's like they wanted to get the ball out of his hands. They were leaving Russell Westbrook alone. I think their coaching and their adjustments was huge, and so was their size, guys. Um, having Dwight and JaVale in there, they played crucial minutes for them the whole season and down the stretch. 
So, uh, yeah, I was definitely right on that one. Where I was wrong is uh, Tom Brady looks really good. And uh, I talked about how he was washed. I think it was second, third podcast, something like that. I said that he's no good. Uh, you know, all this. I was really laying it on him. Uh, I was saying that, you know, Cam's doing just fine with these uh, Patriots weapons that they have. They were the uh, Cam was two and one at the time. Uh, you know, I, I think Cam's playing well with these guys. And uh, I think Brady's overrated at this particular point in his career. But uh, it turns out that he's been playing good ball. Um you know, a little hiccup last night. I'm recording this Tuesday morning, by the way. So they played Monday Night Football last night. That certainly seems like a game that they should be able to control through and through for the majority of the game. But um, they didn't. And honestly, the Giants had a good crack at winning that thing, or at least tying it with that two-point conversion. I guess not every team looks great every single weekend. Okay, where I was right. Houston small ball, guys. I said it wasn't going to work, and I said this on my first podcast, and this was in the first round of the uh, postseason. And um, Thunder took them to a game seven, so it's like they almost didn't even get out of the first round. And then the Lakers dispatched them in five. And guys, I know the Lakers were the champs and everything, but at the same time, you couldn't make that more of an interesting series. It's like they got swept after they won the first game. And um, yeah, guys, they blew it up. Daryl Morey, uh, Daryl Morey, I don't know if I said that right. He's gone. He's going to be the new GM of, I think, Philadelphia now. And uh, Mike D'Antoni is going to join uh, the Steve Nash staff on the Brooklyn Nets. So they blew up that coaching staff. And uh, in my opinion, it was time. It's time for them to sort of change strategy. But I think they're a little bit stuck. I think Russell Westbrook's got a bad contract. And I don't know exactly what they're going to do. But, uh, you know, I, I didn't like the Houston small ball. I, I never really thought that it was going to be some big time. I think it can work in the short term. Um but as far as consistently winning you playoff series, playoff games, I don't, I don't buy it, you know. And then Mike D'Antoni, after the series, he said, well, did the Lakers make you rethink playing small ball? And he goes, well, the Lakers beat us with small ball. And I'm like, okay, well, their point guard is 6'9", LeBron James, and Anthony Davis is 7 feet tall playing their center. So I don't know exactly why you would call that small ball, but... Mike D'Antoni's gone now, and it didn't work. Where I was wrong, okay, guys, I was talking big on Gardner Minshew. I was saying that he looks good. I was saying that he looks like he's the life of the party for this team. It doesn't really look like that, okay? They've struggled, and I don't know if it's all Gardner. Um, their team's just really bad, okay? Jacksonville has been intentionally tanking from the top down of their organization, okay? So their GM, president, owner, whoever it is, they're given the orders, ship these good players out of town, and they're all gone. The only good one they have left is Miles Jack. And uh, guys, I've seen Miles Jack firsthand. Uh, I told that story of Buddha Baker at the track meet. Well, the year before, I saw Miles Jack, okay? And he's the biggest, fastest guy I've ever seen running a 400 in my life. And uh, it was insane, okay? So Miles Jack is a freak. He's the only good player, it seems like, that they have left on their team. Um, and especially from that AFC title run from, what, 2018, 2017 or something like that. So, yeah, I, guys, I don't I don't know so much about, about Gardner Minshew being a, you know, a franchise quarterback. I think I was probably wrong on that one. Okay, where I was right, guys, the NFL ratings are climbing, okay? They've been climbing ever since the first, second week 
of the NFL season. And, uh, you know, they're going to continue to climb, especially the election is today. Again, guys, I'm recording this on Tuesday morning. So with the election coming and passing, you're going to see the NFL ratings climb afterwards. Guys, I talked about how the Houston Astros didn't deserve a playoff chance. Um, I was wrong on that. Well, I wasn't wrong in that they didn't deserve a playoff chance, but I gave them no shot to keep moving on. And it turns out that they made Game 7 of the ALCS. They were one game away from the World Series. Okay, so they had it in their mind that they were going to prove everybody wrong. Uh, They were mad because they cheated and they got caught and everybody hates them. And so they were going to say, well, we're going to go ahead and win this whole thing. Obviously couldn't quite do it. But uh, yeah, they made game seven of the ALCS. And I was sitting there saying that they don't deserve to be there. And I stand by it. They don't deserve to be there. But I was wrong in that they were good enough to make a run. Okay, guys, this is my this is my first yet to be seen. I only have a few of them on here, so um, that's why I haven't been doing them every single time. My first yet to be seen is Giannis free agency. The next off season for the NBA, Giannis is going to be entering free agency, and I think he's got a real decision to make here, whether he wants to get that supermax, which is obviously generational wealth, or whether he wants to get slightly less generational wealth and uh, move elsewhere. Miami, um, Golden State have been kind of the talk of the town. Like they're loading up to go get Giannis. And uh, guys, I I just think, I think that he should stay. And I think that he needs to get it done in Milwaukee. I think that they have the pieces around him. I think that Giannis literally just needs to get better. And I think that he needs to be capable of shooting a jump shot. And he needs to be more willing to guard the other team's best player, no matter position. Okay, so he's the defensive player of the year, and he refused to guard Jimmy Butler when Jimmy Butler was going off. Okay, just put the clamps on him, Giannis. That's all I want. Uh, Yeah, so that's our first yet-to-be-seen. Will Giannis end up leaving? I made the argument that he should stay in episode one and that he will stay. So that has yet-to-be-seen. Joe Burrow and Herbert look like the life of the party. Guys, I was definitely right on that one. Uh, So I talked about the life of the party and how sometimes that's what you need in uh, the quarterback room and just the quarterback position in general for your football team. And Joe Burrow and Justin Herbert, they look fantastic, guys. And uh, I, I know the Chargers need to, you know, fire their head coach. And I know they keep giving up leads, but that doesn't change the fact that Justin Herbert has been looking fantastic. And same with Joe Burrow. Just got a huge win over the Titans the other day. Uh, He actually was protected and wasn't just running for his life the whole time. And what do you know? He had an amazing game. Uh, Guys, I I talked about Super Bowl contenders. I said that uh, Buffalo and Chicago were Super Bowl contenders. And guys, Buffalo definitely looked it at the time. Josh Allen was playing some great ball. And uh, they were scoring 35 points a game. And their defense was playing pretty good too. And uh, I definitely thought this looks like a top-tier team. This looks like a team that's ready to take the next step. They made the postseason last year, almost won a game versus Houston, I believe. Couldn't quite get it done. And a lot of times, that's what it takes. It takes, you know, you to um, go to the playoffs and to be underwhelming and uh, to fail there in that position. And then you come back even stronger. But uh, Buffalo just does not look very good. Guys, I also said Chicago was a Super Bowl contender and... You guys are going to laugh at me at this point when when I tell you that and when we look back on that segment. But, um, guys, here was my thinking. We've seen a top-notch defense carry 
um, an average offense deep into the postseason and make a Super Bowl run. Okay, so that was my thought process there. But they are not an average offense at this point. Okay, they are very poor on offense. Um, Nick Foles is just the most inconsistent football player I've ever seen, maybe besides Ryan Fitzpatrick. Um, so you just absolutely never know what you're going to get from him or the rest of this team. Their offensive line just doesn't look good. I thought they were better at running the ball. I don't know why I thought that, but they're not great at running the ball. So uh, I was clearly wrong on that. All right, guys, where I was right. Uh, Jimmy Butler is not a bad egg. Okay, I talked about it. And he absolutely carried the Miami Heat to multiple wins in the NBA Finals, when we were all sitting there talking about how they were going to get swept, Jimmy Butler carried them with two crazy triple-doubles to two wins in that postseason. Okay, he was amazing. This team fights for him. He's their leader. He's their best player. And this young cast of players around him, they believe in what, what Jimmy's selling. He's not a bad egg. He just needed a different situation. Okay, so the Bulls, um, you know, who was it? The T-Wolves and the Sixers. Uh, you know, I don't know about them. Okay, what I do know is that Jimmy Butler is not a bad egg. Guys, in that same segment that I was talking about Super Bowl contenders, I said that Pittsburgh was not a Super Bowl contender. And at this point, you guys are going to laugh at me again because that was clearly wrong. Um, they look amazing. I, I don't know why exactly I, I thought that they weren't. I thought that Big Ben just wasn't legit. Um, they didn't look very good in their wins over, I think it was the Giants and the Broncos. Honestly, they looked pretty bad. I'm not even going to lie. They almost lost to the Broncos, and they had like a backup QB, and they didn't look great against the Giants in, in week one. And uh, I was kind of selling my stock. I was going, okay, I don't know about Pittsburgh. I think they're 3-0, and but they played a couple of bad teams, and it, they really didn't look that great. But... um. Yeah, guys, it's clear that Pittsburgh is legit. I cannot wait for uh, some type of matchup with the Chiefs. I don't think they play in the regular season, but I, I do hope they meet in the postseason at some point because that would be an amazing ball game. Okay, yet to be seen, guys. Steve Nash and their staff. So I talked about, uh, I believe it was episode number two, I said that Steve Nash is going to be an excellent head coach for these guys, and he's going to work out. He's going to connect with... Every player on their team, including their superstars, Kyrie and KD. Um, guys, I said it was going to work out, and uh, I, I still stand by it, guys. Uh, they added a couple people to their staff. Um, Amari Stoudemire, who obviously played with Steve Nash back in the day, back in their son's days. And then Mike D'Antoni is joining their staff as well, I mentioned earlier, as a assistant head coach. And guys, I think that's going to be good for D'Antoni. Just take a step back for you know a season or two. And uh, he's going to find another gig before it's all said and done. You better believe that. But, guys, I think Steve Nash and their staff, is they're going to work out. And if the Brooklyn Nets um, kind of underachieve, my guess it's going to be team chemistry with Kyrie and some of those guys. You know, he's saying the world is flat, um, you know, stuff like that. I, I'm still off Kyrie. It's Obviously, it's yet to be seen. They haven't played any games, but I think this is going to work out for um, both parties, the staff and the organization. Guys, DK Metcalf, I talked about it a few weeks back, um, and honestly, he's only gone off even more since I said this about a month ago. And just a league full of freak show athletes, guys, DK Metcalf seems to stand above the rest, okay? He is, you know, 6'4", 230, and runs a 4'3". 
from week to week, the plays that he makes are just highlight real plays. Okay, it's even the little things that he does. It's like he just caught a uh, just a simple in cut for 15 yards, and it's like he runs around a couple of 49ers and takes it to the house. That's the type of player that DK Metcalf is. Okay, so I was I was dead right on DK Metcalf. Um, you know, obviously I didn't have my pod when he got drafted, you know, a year and a half ago. But I said it then. I was like, well, I'm really looking forward to watching this guy uh, develop. You know, they're saying he's stiff. They're saying he can't cut very well and all this and all that. He's not agile. But I'm sitting there going, okay, well, he seems like he's this unicorn type of talent. Um, big, tall, fast, like Julio Jones. And he certainly looks like the next Julio Jones, Megatron type of ball player. Uh, guys, I said Houston would get to six and seven wins. Uh, right now, that looks like that is incorrect. Okay, I've looked at their schedule. I do not see where they're going to get five, six more wins on their schedule. Right now, they're like one and five, one and six, or something like that. And yeah, like I said, I, I don't see, I don't see where they're finding a win elsewhere on here. Okay, I, I do not, I do not feel confident that take there. So I believe I was wrong. Guys, Jerry Jones and the Cowboys issues. Uh, the trade deadline is today. Guys, I told you they're, they're in for flash over uh, production. And uh, they really like that sizzle. And that's what they're all about in that organization. Sizzle over winning. Sizzle over substance. And I, I stand by that, guys. I think I was right. Uh, they're a terrible team at this point. Okay, guys, but we're going to see what they're going to do here at the trade deadline. In my opinion, they should sell the farm. Okay, they need to sell everybody under the sun except for all their young players and that's personally what i believe they need to sell uh you know jalen smith uh their their linebacker they need to try and sell to marcus lawrence they need to sell mari cooper i would sell zeke even everybody i i would have a fire sale in that cowboys organization i don't think they will because jerry likes his guys and all this and all that but uh, yeah, it seems like I was certainly right on the Cowboys. Uh, top three pick for Denver. I said that Denver would get a top three pick and that they were very likely. Guys, they're like three and four at this point. And uh, they came back on the Chargers. The Chargers, they just stink. Okay, they let everybody come back on them. But um, yeah, guys, I, I said Denver would have a shot at a top three pick. And it seems like they might not pick even in the top ten as of now. Okay, so they uh, you know, are not as bad as I, I guess I thought. Okay, my last yet to be seen. I like I said, I only have a few of them for you guys here, but uh, the Tampa Bay Bucks, guys. I, I know I talked about Tom Brady. I was wrong on Tom Brady earlier. I certainly was, but as far as the Bucks as just an overall team, guys, I don't know what to make of them because they sit there and they dominate the Raiders and they dominate the Packers, and it's like holy cow, they look really freaking good. But then, you know, they can't they can't control the game against the Giants. The Giants are awful. How do you not put that game away in, like, the third quarter easily? Um, yeah, so the Giants still had a crack at it. I would argue that the Giants were in control for a lot of that game. And so, you know, I don't know how you can sit there and just ooze faith in, in the Tampa Bay Bucs. Uh, they, so they have some impressive wins, but then it's like they go to Chicago and they just get dominated by Chicago and then... Uh, yeah, that week one, I, I don't put a bunch in the week one. I expected the Saints to win that week one game. But here uh, down the stretch, we're going to see them play some big-time games, and I think we're going to find out who the Tampa Bay Bucks are. They play the Saints this next week, 
And uh, those divisional matchups are always close, guys. So that's going to be a good one. And then they also play the Chiefs down the stretch of the season. And uh, I think that's going to be a huge matchup, guys. Uh, Patrick Mahomes versus Tom Brady part must be part two, part three, part four even. So that's going to be a fun one to watch. So, yeah, guys, it's yet to be seen on the box. Are, are they a Super Bowl contender? I, I think they are, but it's like they just look bad sometimes. And I don't know how you look bad against the Giants. So, you know, there we go. Okay, where I was right. The Browns, 49ers, and Steelers all need to trade for Sam Darnold. Okay, guys, I talked about this last week. It was my, my big-time segment of last week. Uh, Sam Darnold needs to be traded to either one of those three teams. And the Browns, guys, I, I'm sick of hearing about Baker Mayfield. He's not the guy, okay? So the Browns passed on Sam Darnold once, and they picked Baker, ba- Baker Mayfield. Excuse me. Don't do it again. Just pick him up. Just go get Sam Darnold. Okay, it's clear that Baker Mayfield is not the guy. Uh, I think it's going to be interesting to see if they're going to pick up his fifth-year option, guys. The fifth-year option is for uh, first-round NFL draft selections, and it's after the third year and before the fourth year. You pick up this thing called the fifth-year option. I don't know all the details. I know it's got something to do with pay, uh, you know, extension-wise, just stuff like that. I'm, I'm not really sure with all the details. But guys, it's going to be really interesting to see if the Browns pick up uh, Baker's fifth-year option. I think that they should not, and I think that they should go get Sam Darnold. Uh, Guys, the 49ers, they also need to go get Sam Darnold. Uh, Jimmy G is, you know, injured. He doesn't look that good. I I frankly, I'm out on Jimmy G, okay? I don't think he's the guy. I know he is partway injured when he was playing Seattle, uh, you know, the other day, but it just doesn't do it for me and then the Steelers we see how talented the Steelers are okay guys we see that the level of, that they're capable of playing 7-0 and and then we see last year without Big Ben and we see that they are a train wreck okay they still managed to win nine games but make no mistake they were a train wreck for somehow winning nine games well you know their fourth string QB or whatever it was Duck Hodges I don't know so the Steelers need to go pick up Sam Darnold they need to sit him for a year behind Big Ben next year. And then start of 2022, they need to play Sam Darnold as their starting quarterback. Okay, guys, where I was wrong, I said Baltimore would be the best team in the NFL. Um, yeah, guys, like I said, I, I think they're young and I think they're hungry and I think they're talented. And uh, I thought that was going to make for them to just be on a absolute mission. But, um, you know, they played two good teams and they've lost both of the games. So I, I don't know. I, I'm not selling my stock on Lamar. Uh, yeah, I think Lamar has got a chance to be really good. I just don't know if it's this season, if they're a, a, you know, a real contender this season. Okay, guys, and that's my segment here, uh, where I was right, where I was wrong, and uh, just a few yet to be seen sprinkled in there. All right, guys, I got to get a little bit of a word in on the Seahawks defense. Um, It's been a topic of conversation for a long time now. On every national show, every radio show, every podcast that I listen to, it's, you know, these people don't know what they're talking about. And they just, the stats flowing around that they've given up the most yards in NFL history through seven, eight games or whatever. So this is what every single person is saying. Quote unquote, this is the worst defense in the history of the NFL. 
there saying, well, of course, Russ is an MVP level player. DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett, the O-line's playing much better. But uh, their defense, worst defense in the history of the NFL. There's no way they're winning the Super Bowl that way. But guys, it, you need context for these things, okay? And they're, they're really not the worst defense in the history of the NFL. They're not even close. Okay, I would take this defense that the Seahawks have over several defenses in the NFL this year. Um, and that's non-negotiable. So the Seahawks have given a, a ton of yards this season. And I, I mentioned it briefly last week, the week before, something like that. They've given up a ton of yards. Okay, but it's not all been um, like you would think. See, they've had a lot of leads this season versus uh, Atlanta, New England, Dallas, Miami, so on. Go on down the list, down their whole schedule. They've had a lot of leads this season. Obviously not the Minnesota game. They played terrible. They deserve to lose that game, but they managed to pull it out. And so what happens when you have a lot of leads is you start playing prevent defense. So you start saying, yeah, you can have this 5, 10-yard hitch, but we are really going to prevent the deep shot that's just an automatic touchdown. So that's what the Seahawks are doing. Their corners are playing off. They're giving more of a cushion. Their safeties are playing deeper, keeping everything in front of them. And so they're giving up these kind of quote-unquote garbage yards in the fourth quarter. And this has happened a ton, okay? It happened to Dallas. It happened against New England. It happened against Atlanta. Okay, and I'm not saying that this is all just good and this is all just standard procedure. Obviously, they're giving up too many garbage yards, and that's the issue. It's not that they're playing prevent defense. They should play prevent defense in those situations, but they need to shore up their prevent defense. Um, it's clear to me that they're playing too far off. Their safeties are playing too far off the line of scrimmage. And it's working. I mean, they're not giving up any deep shots, but they're certainly giving up too many yards and letting these teams score too quickly. It's okay if these teams score when you're up by three scores. Okay, it's okay if the other team scores. because But you just can't let them score quickly. And so that's what they're trying to do. They're trying to prevent them from scoring on just one easy, deep, long ball. But then they're playing too deep, and so they do end up scoring. And even though it's not in this one play, it's in like eight plays. And it just you know didn't take very much time off the clock. And so they do need to shore up their prevent defense. Here's why I take issue with just everybody under the sun saying they have the worst defense in the history of the NFL. Because these people don't watch the games. That's where it just rubs me the wrong way because this defense is actually decent. Guys, they're getting a ton of turnovers. Okay, they're getting a ton of turnovers in crucial points in the game. Uh, versus Arizona, for instance. I believe they picked off Kyler Murray once, maybe recovered another fumble, like at huge moments. And then in that same Arizona game, after DK Metcalf ran down Buda Baker, um, Arizona was like first and goal from the five and they had four places to score and the defense held them. Okay. The worst defense in history of the NFL does not hold them in that situation. They did it against Dallas a bunch. Yeah. They gave up a ton of yards, but they picked him off. They forced a fumble. They put their offense in a position to win the game. Even though they weren't great themselves. 
That's what they've been doing. Okay, and I can go game by game. Spots where they have had a key turnover, have had a key stop versus Minnesota. Guys, they were getting gashed all night long. And then when it truly counts, when they need one last chance to get Russell Wilson the ball to drive down the field, they're able to get a stop on fourth down. That is what they do, guys. They get key stops. They get key turnovers when it matters the most. As you guys know, they get Jamal Adams back. Top tier level safety. That's only going to help. In no way is that going to hurt their defense. That is going to help their defense get better. Who is it? Mayoa? That's hurt right now. They get back uh, Rasheem Green. They get back. uh, He's a D lineman. He's going to help them out. They traded for Carlos Dunlap at the deadline. And then they get another nickel cornerback. And then their starting corner. He was on a concussion protocol last week. One of the Griffin brothers. So guys, this defense is, they're getting healthier. They made that key addition at the trading deadline. And then, oh, they got Snacks Harrison too. So he's going to get healthy and he's going to play at the right time down the stretch of the season. And he's going to give them a huge chance to be successful. So this defense that everybody's just been calling the worst defense in the history of the NFL. Well, in fact, I would take it. I would take them over a lot of defenses that I've seen this season. Not even in the history of the NFL, this season alone. Okay, guys, don't let these garbage yards at the end of the game fool you into thinking that this is an awful defense. Now, they haven't been good so far, but they're showing signs of getting better and better. And they're only going to improve moving forward. They get back... Uh... Yeah, guys, just reaching the end of the podcast here. Uh, it's time for my favorite segment of each pod. It's the Off the Bench MVP. And guys, this week we got a really special one. Um, you know, a couple guys popped out at me, and I was thinking of of going a couple different ways with this. But ultimately, I settled on somebody you guys probably haven't heard his name before. And uh, you guys should. Get, get yourselves familiar, okay? He's on the NFL's best team right now. And that is the Pittsburgh Steelers, best team by record, that is. And uh, he's middle linebacker, Robert Spillane. Okay, guys, and all I heard a few weeks back was uh, Devin Bush is injured. You know, what's going to happen to that Steelers defense? Been, they've been so dominant. He's been their play caller. He's been their leader. And Devin Bush, second-year guy, um, amazing ball player. He's out. What's going to happen to their defense? And uh, little did anybody know that Robert Spillane was going to step up into that starting role after Devin Bush got hurt, and he was going to absolutely take it and run with it. Guys, his first two games that he has had are against Tennessee and then Baltimore. So how how's that for a task? Okay, so he's a undrafted guy. He signed on to Tennessee's practice squad a couple of years ago, Ultimately, he was released, and then Pittsburgh ended up picking him up. They picked him up for some depth. They said, you know, this guy got some NFL experience with with, uh, Tennessee for a minute there, and uh, they picked him up just to see how it was going to go. They ended up activating him from the practice squad. He was a special teams guy for the first few games, and then uh, Devin Bush goes down, and he gets in the game. So these are his first two tasks in the NFL. All right. Spillane, go ahead and just stop Derrick Henry and then 
Uh, yeah, but next week, go ahead and try and contain Lamar Jackson. Did his job in every facet of the game. Had a few tackles against Tennessee, and then uh, it, versus Baltimore is where he really shined. He had 11 total tackles. 10 of them were solos, guys. So a solo tackle, for those of you guys who don't know, uh, it's kind of explained in the name, but it's just you make the tackle by yourself. So it's not like a gang tackle. So we had 11 total tackles, 10 solo tackles, and then one tackle for loss. He also recovered a fumble against Baltimore. And on one of the first few plays of the game, he had a pick six against Lamar Jackson. So here this dude is. He's not really sure if he's ever going to get a shot in the NFL because he goes undrafted, plays at Western Michigan, small school, and then all of a sudden he gets cut from the Tennessee practice squad and then he ends up signing on to Pittsburgh. Okay, he gets signed on to their full-time roster, makes some plays on special teams here and there, and then he's their starting middle linebacker because Devin Bush goes down. He's sort of thrust into this starting role, and what do you know? The dude's playing lights out. He's in the right place at the right time all the time. That's a formula for an off-the-bench MVP right there, okay? Never heard of this guy. Goes to Western Michigan, who knows where. You know, gets cut from a couple of practice squads. Signs on. He's the backup for Devin Bush, one of the best linebackers in the NFL. And then he gets in there and he absolutely makes the most of his opportunity. All right, guys, Robert Spillane, off-the-bench MVP. I'm not a huge Steelers fan, but I could not give it to the guy. Absolutely playing lights out in that Baltimore Ravens running attack. Uh, yeah, best of luck to you. And um, yeah, I make that sound like a daunting task because it is. But uh, it wasn't very daunting for Robert Spillane. Okay, this man absolutely went off. All right, guys, I say it every single week. Feel free to DM me any questions you have about the pod. Any topics that you want to hear about. If you're you're sitting there thinking, Sean, you never talk about my favorite team. You never talk about my favorite sport. I'd love to hear something, guys. I want to know what you guys want to listen to. And I'll give you my takes. Guys, if you see it on social media, retweet it, share it, do whatever it is. I appreciate all that, guys. But uh, yeah, we, we've reached the end of our Off the Bench podcast here, guys. Robert Spillane is Off the Bench MVP talking Lamar Jackson versus Giannis, talking a little bit about, you know, the Seahawks defense. Are they really as bad as they seem? I think they're getting better. Where I was right, where I was wrong, and what is yet to be seen. Guys, I stole that little segment there, but I made it my own too. So we're keeping it. All right, guys. You guys have a good one.